We conclude our summer blockbuster sermon series this year by considering the modern Christmas classic, Elf. It's another one of those movies that you can watch again and again and again, and in some ways, holiday movies are movies that many of us watch year after year after year between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day. And I don't think we just do it because we're entertained by them, but partially because we're attracted to some of the messages that they offer us, some of the visions of life as we'd like it to be all year long, but we only seem to glimpse fully during the Christmas season. Elf is the story of uh, a human being who was somehow transported to the North Pole accidentally and gets raised by Santa's elves. Of course, he becomes an adult and he's a very tall elf. And he discovers the truth that he probably should have recognized, that he's not naturally an elf, but a human being. And so he goes in search of his biological father, who lives in the wonderful place, New York City. There's an infectious joy in the movie, because Buddy is almost just a big kid. There's a simplicity to him, a wonder at the world around him, a joy that is infectious, it's contagious and something that he often calls the Christmas spirit. Something he brings with him and offers in his relationships. Of course, the truth is, he's rather an odd fellow. He looks like an adult, but in no way seems to act like an adult. Uh, he doesn't know the proper social protocols. He doesn't pick up on <laughs> regular social cues about whether people are comfortable or uncomfortable. He gets overly excited, like a big kid, when he discovers that Santa's coming. He pours maple syrup on all of his food. He's rather odd, but endearing. There's something about him that is just charming and endearing. And I can't help but wonder if that quality that is so well captured in the movie Elf and so well portrayed by Will Ferrell as Buddy the Elf, if that's not just a little bit what Jesus has in mind when he tries to teach the disciples, when he tries to teach you and me that children are the closest thing God has in mind when describing, when envisioning what heaven, what the kingdom of God, what God's beloved community is like. There's something special in the way a child views the world and the way a child lives in the world that somehow we grow out of, whether by choice or sort of by compulsion of the way that people live around us. We lose certain things. Now, I'll be honest, sometimes if I'm in a particular mood, I think that Jesus must not have had kids of his own when he speaks so highly of kids because there are all sorts of things that children of all ages do that probably are not what Jesus has in mind when describing God's beloved community. I think of our own boys and how they get downright stubborn and worse 
when they don't get their way, when they don't get to eat what they want or do what they want or not do what they want, as the case might be. And I have a sneaking suspicion that this will be an ongoing habit for years to come. Certainly when I look back on my own childhood, I know I exhibited that same stubbornness more than occasionally. I can't imagine that that's what Jesus has in mind when he talks about how we must all become like a child to really experience God's beloved community. I imagine that Jesus thinks of things that are more positive about the ways that children live and interact. They're just almost audacious courage because they don't know otherwise. And yet their humility, this is mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew, because they realize they don't know everything and they have to look to others for wisdom and guidance, just as you and I are meant to look to God for wisdom and guidance because whether we like it or not, we don't know everything either. There's a desire for peace and justice that seem to be inborn, natural, for children. They want fairness. They want people to get along. If you don't believe me, just watch how, particularly a young child, say kindergarten or younger, watch how they react if people around them start having a verbal argument. Oh, they might initially uh, ignore it, but pretty soon they get uncomfortable. Sometimes I've even known kids to break out in tears when they see older children or adults arguing. Because deep down, they, they not only worry that they've done something wrong, but more to the point, they just recognize that this is not the way things are supposed to be. There's an abundance of love and affection Oh, when a child gives you a hug, they put their whole being into it, don't they? I imagine that's a little bit of what Jesus imagines and tells us that heaven will be like, that God's blessed community is like, if we are uninhibited in the ways that we love each other. Children tend to be naturally generous, except on those rare occasions where they're completely selfish, but often surprising us with how much they share, except obviously when they don't. As we grow older, I think we lose sight of some of the beautiful things about childhood, the beautiful qualities of children, unless we're blessed to have children regularly in our lives, especially as parents or involved aunts and uncles and grandparents. We lose sight of the good parts of childhood. We just remember all the things that we weren't allowed to do or couldn't do or didn't know about when we were kids. But every year Christmas comes along. And I've heard many people over the years tell me that Christmas is especially a holiday for children meaning that it seems to touch on the, the best aspects of childhood. 
of forgiveness and of peace, of generosity and love, of a determined uh, insistence that we will spend time together somehow, and we might even like it. We'll have favorite foods to share. We'll sing favorite songs that almost everybody knows, watch beloved movies, engage in a whole host of traditions that tie generation to generation. And I think sometimes when we say that Christmas is a holiday for children, we mean that we hope that in some ways we all reconnect with the best parts of ourselves when we were kids, when we could marvel at the wonders of the world around us, when we could get so excited about what Christmas could bring, when we learned that part of that joy was not simply in receiving gifts, but giving them out of love and hope. As we sing year after year, about the promise of peace. Ironically, I think a movie like Elf may get it, the Christmas spirit, in a Christian sense, better than we often do in the church by portraying it, by trying to embody the Christmas spirit. And I don't just mean the, the spirit of, of Santa Claus and candy canes and presence, but I mean the spirit that comes from the birth of Jesus Christ, God incarnate, perfectly demonstrating and living out love in this world, the greatest gift of all, which is both very true and often a cliche when we use it in the church. That Christmas spirit. Well, sometimes we put on our, our Christmas bests, we, we wear our nice sweaters and Christmas ties, and we sing Silent Night every Christmas Eve. Don't get me wrong, it's not that we ignore it. But do we really know what it looks like? If we don't really know what it looks like, then this teaching of Jesus about how we must be like little children in order to fully appreciate and live into heaven the kingdom of God, God's beloved, blessed community, well, that'll continue to be a mystery. But I do think that a movie like Elf gives us a glimpse of what Jesus is talking about. Even if Jesus may not have had uh, an over six foot tall actor named Will Ferrell in mind, I think somehow Buddy the Elf does embody, in, in certain ways, the best that Jesus means for each of us to become humbly and generously and lovingly and excitedly part of God's beloved community, growing into, as I say again and again, the people that God created us to be.